on radio, digital radio, the app and streaming. RSN's Racing Pulse. Great to have your company on Racing Pulse, and it's great to have Matt Welsh back in the studio here at RSN Towers, uh, the general manager of racing, who's had a, a busy period since he stepped into the executive role. And, uh, Matty, great to see you. You're actually looking quite refreshed. I thought your hair might have been going my colour slightly <laughs> after the last few months. How are you? Yeah, very well. Disappointed to see I couldn't get into the car park out the back anymore and, and had to park on the street. So you finally cut off my uh, entry from when I was working here a few years ago. We should have one here for you. Because uh, you're a very important man and you've been very busy. Before we talk about what the future may look like, it was a big day yesterday because it was the official launch. And I did see, I did see some of the... Um, uh, the pictures of the launch on the news services last night. Matty Hill did an outstanding job <laughs> uh, calling that scooter race, as did the participants who certainly gave their all. Yeah, they sure did. Boy, yo, boy, Bossy was taking it very seriously for those who haven't seen, uh, trying to jostle for a position into what was a very tight first turn there at uh, Federation Square on the electric scooters. But he was outdone. J.D. Hayes was, was too good for him. Yeah, uh, that old so, football uh, fire in the belly came through with J.D. Hayes. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So, and that kicks off what has been one of the great initiatives and introductions into the Victorian racing calendar, the All-Star Mile. Um, how many votes would you like to see this year when we shut down voting? It's been going for 24 hours now. It's been a, a big start. How do you... I suppose, put your markers as to how successful it is because the race itself has been a runaway success with the quality of winners, but the voting and the engagement, how is that judged? Oh, look, there's a range of parameters by which the race is judged, as as you touched on there, the quality of the race being one of them. Attendance on course, which you know, have had COVID impact a number of runnings of the All-Star Mile, including uh, 2021 version, which was held at the Valley. Uh, great crowd, and, and there was a significant roar that day when um, Russian Camelot and Mugatu set to, to battle in the home straight. But crowd on course this year will be a key measure. Uh, audience on TV, of course, a key measure as well. But as you say, the voting is, is a unique part of it. I think we've had about 550,000 votes over the first four runnings of uh, the All-Star Mile. So just under 150,000 on average a year. And I imagine we'd be we're heading for a similar sort of number this year. And um, early signs suggest that, you know, off to a good start. Alligator Blood dominating, yeah. as he did back in 2020 when he captured the highest number of votes ever recorded, which I think was about eight, 18,500 uh, before the Caulfield edition of the All-Star Mile. But, yeah, look, it's one of a number of, key metrics of the race another one being of course wagering it's become the the number one wagering race of the festival of racing so we judge it on a a range of different metrics and no doubt this year's will be uh, another roaring success and i know when greg carboner introduced the race he said look we review and we tweak certain aspects of it each and every year and there's been a few more tweaks this year i think which each year it's enhanced the race and the build-up um every little um difference and this year, the, the, the biggest one is the change with the Australian Cup. It flows a lot better, but there's also changes in voting and the wild cards as well. Yeah, on the Australian Cup. So previously run on the Labor Day long weekend, it's now shifted to the back end of March and it'll run a week after the All-Star Mile. Next year, the way the dates fall, it'll be two weeks after the All-Star Mile. So that's, that's probably ideal. 1,600 to 2,000 off a two-week break. Head up to Sydney, Queen Elizabeth, if you want to head that direction. 
that's a lovely program for those top tier uh, Group One weight for age horses. So I think that was the right move. Additionally, the race will go to three million, the Tab Australian Cup as well. So significant prize money boost. Just worth touching on the support card that day, the Roy Higgins, which will be the the first golden ticket into the 2023. Melbourne Cup uh, to be run at Flemington, of course. So that's half a million dollars. It's been boosted in prize money and chatting to a lot of trainers and connections out there. That race is proving a target already. So a number of horses are being set for that race. And also a race that was run as the Moomba Plate last year, half a million dollars mm-hmm. for the three-year-old's 1,100-metre race. Sort of billed as a, a, a festival of racing or an autumn Coolmore. So that day has certainly being strengthened but as you touched on a couple of changes to the all-star mile voting has been pushed back a couple of weeks so voters will get a chance to see the horses they're potentially voting on once maybe twice before making their decision committing to who they want to vote on so that'll lead to a little bit more informed in voting they can see our horses have come back and then tweak to the wild card so if a wild card happens to be removed from the race instead of going to the next horse in the order of entry uh, based off prize money we'll be able to replace that at uh, racing victoria's discretion with another wild card so i think those little tweaks will certainly help and uh, as we do with everything uh, each and every year we'll review its success and uh, make sure we've got the best model going forward can you throw that wild card out to anyone have you run golden 60s connections said hey we've got a plane booked we've got the red carpet uh, you've got to run in the race. We'll almost give you your first prize. Just come. Yeah, we... <laughs> <laughs> It'd be great to see Golden 60 uh, tested outside of Hong Kong and the All-Star Mile would be a fantastic opportunity for that Have you mile. spoken to Connections? Uh, not me directly, but uh, yeah, we certainly reach out to international Connections to obviously try and uh, generate a little bit of interest. And uh, you know, there's a number of forces across Australia who put their hand up over the next few weeks. Half Cabin uh, isn't nominated, and uh, he certainly put his hand up uh, mm-hmm. last Saturday with an emphatic first up victory. So, yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on those uh, the performance of horses right across the country and right across the globe over the next few weeks uh, before making those decisions on the wild cards. Do you think... It's more difficult to get a, an international. Obviously, we know what's occurred with with spring carnival protocols. Is is it proving difficult to get the internationals to come here? Well, you, you can see that the proof's in the pudding that less internationals are travelling. We've obviously had COVID as as well as the introduction of uh, the strict spring protocols. But you know, we make no apologies for that. We've had now two safe runnings of the Melbourne Cup since the protocols were introduced uh, to um, very safe spring carnivals. So welfare, as everyone understands, is absolutely paramount. It's it's the number one factor that we need to get as right as we possibly can. And, uh, you know, it goes to our social licence. But as we do each and every year, uh, the processes are reviewed. Um, you know, that process is is going going through the motions at the moment. And, you know, tweaks will be made to those protocols as, as they need to be and, and as recommended. And um, as I said, that process is underway at the moment. You've also got a new $200,000 tab Australian Cup Prelude, which has been introduced, which is a, a win in your in uh, race into the Australian Cup a little later. So I, I know you um, love your racing. You love these... Um, pillars of the racing um, calendar. So this is, do you think this would be the rejuvenation that the Australian Cup really needs to get back on the the map as the halcyon days when we're seeing better loosen up, Vorogue, superimposed, winning Australian Cups and the like? Well, the reality is we saw it in the spring that 
you know, the mile 2,000 metre weight for age horses, uh, cohort is really strong at the moment and they mix those distances. So when you have the all-star mile a week after a 2,000 metre Australian Cup, naturally you're sort of eating at each, each of those races. We want to have horses able to run in the all-star mile and then step up to the 2,000 metres of the Australian Cup. We want them running in both. So I think that the date shift will enable that to happen. Mm. And at the moment, we've got a fantastic cohort of you know, 1,600, 2,000 metre weight for age group one horses. We saw that on Champions Day where we were able to have a, a very strong mile and a very strong 2,000 metre race. So yeah, I think it's the right thing for the race. And, and I think we're going to see uh, very strong additions of the Australian Cup in coming years. On top of that, you've also got the boost to $3 million in yeah. prize money. So that's a, a significant carrot for trainers to aim up at. It's a, a real grand final of uh, the Festival of Racing, and it, it's positioned very well with the Sydney races. So we've got that in mind. Horses can go up north to the Queen Elizabeth on the back of it. And, and that leads us into positioning and <laughs> the flow-on effect. Could you move the Spring Carnival deeper into spring and still have the Autumn Carnival, the Festival of Racing, in these current dates? We've just been talking about how we've moved the Australian Cup back a couple of weeks. So, you know, I think the Autumn Carnival has shifted a little bit later. Um, you know, when you talk about spring, we've done a range of consultation. Uh, a lot of that has been with trainers and, and one of the key queries that has been raised, if, and, and I stress if, uh, spring were to push a little bit later in terms of the metro part of it, is that turnaround into the festival of racing? I think the overwhelming feedback is probably it can be achieved um, but of course if there is changes to the spring carnival just have to keep monitoring that and uh, schedule optimization is an absolute focus for us at, at Racing Victoria and it's an absolute focus for all sports that are succeeding you see it you know constantly AFL's constantly evolving its schedule cricket's constantly evolving its schedule golf that is where the upside comes from. That's where there's opportunities to engage new fans. So, you know, it needs to be a focus. And that turnaround into the Festival of Racing, of course, uh, will continue to monitor. Would it start a week later? Because would you start in the first week of Feb with the CFL stakes? Or the CFL stakes would be moved to the spring, which would mean it would be a week later start? Look, there's a range of options that we're looking at in terms of potential spring changes. And they start at keeping it exactly the same as it is because the reality is our spring carnival is currently outstanding. It's revered by the rest of the world. It's probably the best carnival anywhere in on the globe. So, you know, that's the starting point. If we are to look at potential changes, uh, you know, it's been well documented that a, a Cox plate four weeks later is something that's been canvassed and uh, there's no doubt that that's something that's been looked at. Uh, a potential CFO stakes move into the, the end of... Um, the the spring carnival being zipping classic day is a potential option and you know that would help alleviate any potential turnaround into the autumn carnival because uh the natural kickoff point for those middle distance to 2000 meter weight for age horses would be a little bit later so if we work our way through it if everything comes to pass or to um fruition the way that we've seen um some of the the media reports would the spring carnival actually start later would you you know, the CFO stakes, uh, the uh, the JJ Liston, the old JJ Liston um, and those races, the Memsey, would they be pushed back? 
I think it's very important to go to go back a step and, and to the start of this process, which you know kicked off as soon as the spring carnival finished. And as Racing Victoria historically has done, and as we've we've undertaken this year or last year into this year, we're always reviewing the spring carnival and reviewing the program right across the board. I mean, there's tweaks we're making on a daily and weekly basis that people don't necessarily notice, but they're designed to maximise engagement and maximise turnover and, and help grow the sport. So, you know, as has been previously done, we've, we've taken a look back at this year's Spring Carnival and how the Spring Carnival is positioned, uh, looked at a range of different options of how we might be able to potentially um, better use that inventory, and, you know, our inventory being our, our big races, and you know, a number of options have been canvassed. So I know there's been, you know, probably the Cox Plate move back into later November is one that's garnered a lot of media attention. But, you know, we've looked at a, a range of different options of how we could potentially enhance our spring carnival and improve engagement um, from, you know, our racing our racing um, fans are really engaged. We, we need to attract new uh, new people to the sport each and every year, and so that's the real goal of looking at looking at our current schedule. And um, so, what are the indicators that say to you we will get more engagement if we move back? What what's the the research that's been done to say that people would say, you know what, yeah, I would actually enjoy it better then, or I'd become more involved in it then? Well, we, we, we've canvassed feedback from a, a range of different. Um, stakeholders. So you've got um, wagering service providers, uh, media partners. Um, they've all identified um, November as being a, a period of great opportunity. There's obviously very little competition from other sports. Uh, this year was a bad example because you have World Cups and things like that. But I think uh, in 2023, there's not a lot of sporting competition through November. So there is a great opportunity to own that period and build on the momentum that we get through uh, Caulfield Carnival, Caulfield Cup Carnival, into Cox Plate, into Melbourne Cup Week. And, and for a lot of people, they're starting their journey on Melbourne Cup Day in racing. You're building that momentum through into Champion Stakes Day. Can we continue to capitalise upon those um, casual fans who have found racing and, and keep their journey going for another couple of weeks, start to get them more engaged in the sport. They then go off on summer holidays and, you know, might seek out a country race meeting over the Christmas period, take the family along, get one of the country racing Victoria backpacks that has, you know, such fantastic stuff in it for the kids. Enjoy a, a relaxed a atmosphere at a Mornington or Geelong or, or Warrnambool or wherever it is where there's kids' activities on course over the summer. So it's about looking at trying to create direct benefits through engagement uh, audience engagement on TV, audience engagement on course, and obviously wagering through November. So that they're the direct potential outcomes. And then there's also a halo effect, we believe, in having people, recreational punters, have a longer journey through Spring Carnival that will impact the other 365 days of the year. Oh, I think all of that is what we want to see overall in racing. But I, I could imagine um, Channel 7 would be saying, yeah, give me more content, uh, big races in November because um, it'll stretch out their eyeballs. And the wagering providers, yeah, giving you more good content, we'll hopefully get more wagering. Um, we'll just elongate it and lengthen it out as much as we can. But can you be sure that the punters and the public will follow, especially those who don't follow racing as closely, off the back of Melbourne Cup Week? Look, you, you can never be 100% certain about how something's going to play out. 
any decision comes with an, an element of risk. But, you know, if we ultimately go down this path, and I stress that if, because there's a range of different options on the table, starting with Spring Carnival looking exactly as it does, we are extremely confident that you'll continue to build momentum into a, a race like the Cox Plate. I think there's probably... Now, there's three or four major races on the Australian Racing Carnival that people know, people outside the racing bubble really assimilate with. And I think the Cox Plate is one of those. So if you were to put it a couple of weeks after the Melbourne Cup Carnival, people are going to find it. You're going to get a big crowd on course. The momentum is going to continue to some extent. So to answer your question, you can't be 100% sure, but mm. research, modelling, would suggest that there is an opportunity in November and you know a range of different people that have been canvassed suggest that it is a period where racing could further capitalise. So what needs to happen for this to occur because Racing Victoria wants it to happen. We've spoken to Michael Brown. He says look we're, we're open to the idea if, if Racing Victoria can come up with a few um, sweeteners. Um, so really at the end of the day is this going to happen and why wouldn't it happen? I think just going back a step, I think Racing Victoria is considering. Like we're putting options on the table. We're doing the work to provide everyone with potential options and paths we could go down. So it'll be discussed over the next few weeks. Uh, board meeting at Racing Victoria. We've got committee meetings at clubs as well. And by the end of February, I think uh, everyone will be in a position to know what the 2023 Spring Carnival will look like. And uh, as I said before, that could range everything from no change through to the well-documented Cox Plate moves. If you moved it, would it be an $8 million Cox Plate? Uh, look, I, I can't comment on that. I, there's a range of different options on the table. Uh, Michael's put his view forward about an $8 million Cox Plate. But uh, yeah, there's no guarantees around that. Is there any concern that if you move the Cox Plate from its traditional day, that our friends in New South Wales might say, beautiful, uh, that former Cox Plate day will go bang. Have you spoken to anyone outside of Victoria about these mooted changes and, and how has it been received? There's certainly, you know, you leave an opportunity on the table and, you know, if we did go down that path, a lot of work has been put into what that 28th of October might look like, being the old Cox Plate day. Uh, got a lot of good quality racing that could potentially go onto that card. So that's certainly a risk and, you know, we've analysed a range of different risks that go with making such a move uh, at the end of the day you know it's it's been in its current spot for 100 plus years and we want to make sure that if we do make changes we make extremely well informed changes and uh, the necessary protections are in place to uh, ensure the integrity of the spring carnival going forward but uh, yeah it's certainly something that would potentially present an opportunity but one that we've looked at in detail do you need permission from the pattern interstate racing bodies to allow such a move it's been again well documented i think that the the pattern committee hasn't met in, in recent times and uh that is but that is certainly a key consideration and if we were to go ahead with any changes we'd want to ensure that we protect the integrity of those races and we'd also want to make sure that we're following the correct protocols. We want to make sure that we are following the necessary processes that uh, the pattern committees demand, and um, you know we'd make sure we tick that off before making any changes. The way the pattern committee in Racing Australia is going, you might get this through by the twenty thirty two Cox Plate. Then, if you need to wait for them <laughs> to tick off on it, um, a couple of quick ones. The SMS machines got a lot of questions here as well. Is the main driver because turnover usually falls 
pretty dramatically after Melbourne Cup week. Is it about trying to sustain the level of turnover after Melbourne Cup week? That's a, that's a factor, but it's also about audience as well. And it, it, the key thing is extending the recreational fans' journey or, or the less engaged fans' journey. Uh, people will either tune into racing, people who aren't heavily involved like us and, and regular Saturday punters will either turn to racing if we're lucky, Turnbull Stakes weekend once AFL's finished and then progressively from then on through the Caulfield Cup into Cox Plate, more and more will tune in. A lot of them, as I said, find racing for the first time on Melbourne Cup Day. And then following Melbourne Cup week, a lot of them disengage from the sport. That's a reality. You can use TV numbers. You can use um, wagering numbers as your proxy for that. Whatever you want to use, there are, there's a lot of evidence of that. So... We think that given the, the free space through November, uh, there is an opportunity to extend those journeys for longer and, as I said, hopefully make um, more engaged racing fans out of it that help benefit 365 days of the year. So what, where do Pakenham, Ballarat, um, those country standalone race days, where do they get moved to in this matrix? St- we're still in discussions with those clubs and have been consulting with them throughout. Um, and, you know, ultimately, if some changes are, are decided upon, we'll make sure that they end up in a no worse off position and, and we'll work with them to find them extremely suitable homes, noting how important they are to the fabric of racing and, and, and to Racing Victoria and, and racing more broadly. I mean, Cranbourne, I think, is one of the, the fastest growing areas for 18 to 35-year-olds. It's an extremely important uh, part of racing. It's got a fantastic training centre that's home to some of Victoria's leading trainers. Similarly, Ballarat, terrific base. They've got a great cup day. Pakenham's doing some wonderful things. So it's important that these cup days are showcased in the best possible light, and, and we know the importance of that. You're a racing man. You're a form man. How do you think it works if the 1,000 Giddies has run after an Oaks with a pathway? I think two horses in the last three years have contested both races. Uh, these are things we've, we've canvassed with, as I said, a, a range of trainers. And anyone who we haven't spoken to, please feel free to reach out. We're trying to get around to as many as possible. Always happy to have a chat. But a lot actually think it makes complete sense uh there's some very nice lead up races into a mile race the week after um cup week carnival at the moment probably the wakeful being a fork in the road where some stay those who don't potentially go for a spell this for those who don't they can redirect in uh in a thousand guineas path there's a lovely pattern through a 1400 meter race on oak state the phillies classic on um the current cox plate day as well so uh, i think broadly feedback on um, proposed programs we've put forward has been, okay, I can see the sense in that. That makes sense. We're not going backwards from a program perspective and we wouldn't want to. If, if we were to if we were to make any changes, you'd want to ensure the program made sense. And uh, So you're confident that a... Feedback a, would suggest it does. Yeah, a, a Caulfield Stakes could still be relevant that early in the carnival for the Caulfield Cup carnival when the Cox Plate's going to move a, a month further back? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you've got three fantastic wait for age 2000 meter races in the might and power stakes the champion stakes and the cox plate and and we saw that this year they were fantastic races they stand themselves out as uh the triple crown really of the wait for age ranks here in victoria And, and if anything i think those three races can go from strength to strength what about 
the um, impact on the Caulfield Cup Carnival overall? Are the MRC on board and in favour? Because it does seem that they are a little bit now out on a, on a branch if you were pushing the Cox Plate Carnival further back. Uh, look, I'll let the MRC speak on behalf of the MRC. I think, you know, if a thousand guineas were go to us were to go to a Saturday, it probably provides them you know a greater opportunity if anything. But you know they've been uh, a club that has been eager to canvas pushing deeper into November in the past, and and hence they've got their Zipping Classic Day, which was pushed back uh, a couple of weeks a few years ago. So I'll let them speak on, on behalf of the club, um, but they have shown an appetite to push into November in the past. Uh, one quick one. I'll take a break, and then I'll get to some SMSs. Um, Paul Tatnell's written an article today on racing.com saying it may not be the full suite of changes. It may be a few incremental changes moving forward in the spring, including introduction of some new pop-up races. What type of races would they be? Uh, there's a couple that we've had a look at. There's no doubt about that. Um, I'll keep my cards pretty close to my chest there. Can and you give us an age, a distance? No, we'll keep the powder dry there, Michael. But I, I think, you know, there is a reality, as I've said, somewhere between no change and and significant change is possible. And, and we wouldn't be doing our job if we weren't making sure that we had the absolute best possible program that we can put forward. At the end of the day, it's our desire to, to grow racing and to maximise return for participants. And, and post-COVID, we have to work harder than ever to ensure that. Um, racing's been given a real opportunity on the back of COVID where we had a captive audience for such a long period of time. Uh, we saw a spike in TV audiences, in engagement through digital platforms, in wagering. Obviously, we didn't get the crowds on course, so that was really disappointing. But, you know, ultimately, engagement in racing increased throughout COVID. And our challenge is to keep that momentum going over the next couple of years. And, and I think we need to continue innovating in order to do so. We'll take a break. Matt Welsh in the studio. A few SMSs after this. Welcome back to Racing Pulse with Matt Welsh, the general manager of racing for Racing Victoria here. We are getting close to the 10 o'clock news. A couple of quick SMSs. Um, uh, I'm an avid follower of racing, but play local sport. Happy to pick one of my spring carnival days to miss uh, sport on Saturdays, uh, but I don't know if I can extend further in. I know there are many people in the same position. Um, uh, there's another one here. Changing the Cox Plate date is the most ridiculous ever <laughs> idea ever. It's a great race. We always get a, a great crowd. Trying to stretch out spring carnivals just greedy. Will only harm the Cox Plate and achieve little else. Hi, guys. I'm a weekly punter. Getting closer to Xmas, uh, Christmas. I punt less, though, because of Christmas presents. Is that a concern as well? And there's another one here saying, uh, Matt Welsh and his ideas is what racing needs. We need to change and can't be stuck in the past. So there's a lot of other SMSs, but there's a little bit of a, cro a cross-section. Are you uh, and Andrew Jones feeling the pressure? Because there's 100 years of history to to make a change like this. Do you, do you feel pressure with what the possibility could be? I think, it, as I said before the break, if we weren't exploring all options, we're not really doing our job. And ultimately, decisions are going to be made by boards and committees. And, and, and we, we're doing the work to put forward a range of different options. And, and as I said, that's, that's really important for us. And it's really important for the sport that we're ensuring we're maximising the inventory that we have available. Every other sport that is succeeding is doing that so racing should be no different how much 
of a factor will the the, the new wagering license play um, for what the the future spring carnival will look like? Yeah, I think that's going to play a, a really important role. Uh, it's been well documented that the wagering license is up in 2024. Uh, currently, we've got a joint venture with Tabcorp, which has been running for the past 12 years. It is vitally important for the industry that we're in a no worse off position going forward. It provides a significant amount of funding to the industry, our industry, which provides over 25,000 jobs and um, you know, $3.2 billion in economic activity for the state. So that's going to play into any investment decisions that we make over the next period. And the uncertainty around that certainly makes it challenging. And you couple that with you know, probably post-COVID, just a slight softening in wagering So is turnover. turnover down? It has been. There's no doubt. Um, it's been down. Um, that was to be expected post-COVID. As people go back to their normal lives, they're going to the theatre, they're going to sporting events and things like that, that during COVID, we had that captive audience. So we are comparing to very strong at levels from last year, but it is down. And, you know, that's why we do need to continue innovating. We need to keep that momentum going and continue to build our audience. So with the shadow of the wagering license in the background, uh, I think what we're looking at eight or nine interest rate increase is mooted today. Inflation going through the roof. Is that making you maybe a bit more wary about trying to make these wholesale changes when it's driven by turnover? It has to be a consideration because there's obviously investment involved in, in making change. So you've got to invest money. Yes, we think ultimately we can get a return on that investment and, and that's both by direct and indirect um, wagering uplift and, and, and growing them for the fan base. But you know, the wagering licence and the current wagering trends certainly have to play on um, or weigh into investment decisions. And you know, those interest rate rises you talk about are... are you know, going to be a factor over the next 12 months. A lot of people haven't felt the heat of those mm. interest rate rises as yet with people on fixed uh, fixed, uh, fixed rate mortgages as well. So it's a, an uncertain time when it comes to economic um, conditions going forward and, and the uncertainty around the wagering license certainly plays in, will play into any decisions so going forward. So is this 12 months too early? Are you in a better position to make such a big change 12 months down the road when you've got the wagering license more figured out and you know what their wagering and the financial landscape is that'll certainly be a consideration as uh you know the merits of the different proposals we put together are are discussed over the next couple of weeks Uh, it's going to weigh into any decision making there's no doubt about that and uh, the balance of all the different factors will will lead to an outcome um, over the next couple final one what's the what's the deadline when do we need to have a, a decision either Yay, nay, or partly? I'd say end of the month is is you know the deadline. There's a range of RV board meeting and then the two respective club committee meetings towards the back end of February where all this will come to fruition. Uh, a range of recommendations will be put forward, either you know, remain as is, make a few changes, and uh, ultimately that'll be communicated by the end of the month or, or early in March. So who has final say? Is it Racing Victoria Board? Well, ultimately to make the decisions, you need everyone... To, to come along for the ride. So you need everyone's buy-in and, and we want everyone's buy-in if we're going to make changes. So that, that you know, MVRC, um, MRC, Racing Victoria, all the clubs involved, um, it'll need to go to the respective committees and the RV board. Uh, should the All-Star Mall be at one racetrack? Ah, oh, jeez. Last question. Last question. Uh, look, 
we will continue to explore the best options for the All-Star Mile going forward. Uh, We've created a great race. Credit to Greg Carpenter and the the team at Racing Victoria who come before me because they did all the hard work. Uh, It was a big risk to initiate it in its first year, and I think it copped. uh, It was was certainly critically assessed, but it's a a really successful race. And on the back of this year's edition, we'll have a look at uh, how it's positioned going forward. Good on you, Matty. You must be punting. Uh, you must be spunning. I still like, love keeping an eye on the form, right. keeping an eye on the jump bounce. I was actually taking a look at some of the sectionals from the Cranbourne trials yesterday. Boy, oh boy, I wish I win. Yes, well, we. I know. Could uh, be anything. Outstanding. Uh, Maddie, appreciate your time uh, answering all the questions uh, for us. And uh, we all wait with bated breath to see what unfolds. And good luck with the All-Star Mile and the Festival of Racing as well. Uh, thanks very much, Michael. Been a pleasure. Matt Welsh joining us in the studio. 10 o'clock news. More to come after this.